What's up, Tweet People? We just want to give you guys an update on our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Forging Fury, baby. Yes, what you can do, hop on there, sign up for our sticker gang. It's going to give you a picture of our faces that is scary, but it looks really cool on a water bottle or a computer. It's the bobblehead sticker that everybody wants. So, but we do want to give a shout out to our founding patrons. We've got Lisa Brockman. Lily Rodriguez. We have the Stahl family, Mike, Kristen, Easton, Knox, Nash, and Baby Quinn. And your mom. Yeah, my mom is a patron. That's how much my mom loves me guys go on over to patreon.com slash forging fury and help our podcast man we're trying to get into the video podcasting game help us out let's go that's right the episode you're about to hear is a good example of why we're doing this to oh, get yeah. some support hell yeah love you guys mean it hey riley we have a lot of friends that like to party don't oh we, we do especially at our gym that's right sometimes they party a little too hard but they've got to get up the next morning and get their butts in the box they don't have a choice man you got to pay the man what do you do if you drink too much and you got to work out the next day well, you take this thing called the regimen, hangover prevention. You're getting wild. You're out with your girls. You're out with your boys. You have a couple drinks. A couple drinks lead to a couple more. If you just make sure that you drink this before you go to bed, you wake up feeling like a million dollars. You can get back in the gym as soon as you want. You're not in bed, throwing up, doing that you know crazy drunk person thing, feeling like shit. Yeah, you're in your booty shorts doing a clean and jerk PR, baby. Exactly. You're in the gym getting after it, all right? So if you go on Amazon.com, search for The Regimen Hangover Prevention, we are going to give you 15% off your purchase just by entering Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. (laughs) At checkout. Don't ever say we didn't do anything for you. Yeah, we love you guys trying to keep you feeling great. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Coming at you live. Turn your speakers up to the Forging Fury. Forging Fury, Forging Fury podcast. Hola, bienvenidos a mi podcast. Esta un podcast bilingual. <laughs> Hey, sweet people. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with Sean Woodland and Tommy Marquez of Talking Elite Fitness. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one yet, be sure before you leave today that you download it because you're not going to want to miss some of the great content, the great conversation we had with them in part one. But now on to part two. So I'm a big ESPN guy. I grew up sports, watching Mm -hmm. sports all Mm -hmm. the time. I was a kid that would watch SportsCenter seven times in a row and try to like redo what they did. So I I would be on the couch like trying to be Stuart Scott as a kid. (laughs) Um, Who did you guys look up to as commentators going up? Like, did you ever see yourself going into this role or like who did you idolize or like, I mean, things like who's ever asked you that question? Uh, for me, it was it was funny because you mentioned the sports center thing. Because when I was in college, going through broadcasting, we had a sports casting class at San Francisco State. It was you know um, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, and it was must see TV on ESPN. So we were all trying to imitate that. It was all oh, you got to be funny, you got to be snarky, and you realize I'm not funny, and I'm not <laughs> like I just need to understand the basics and do those well. Um, but I always enjoyed like I mean early on I love Craig Kilborn, mm-hmm. um, Bob Miller who is the old LA Kings play by play guy, uh, Al Michaels you know my the I got the picture of the miracle on ice you know that call is still to me the greatest sports call ever, um, and those were the guys that I I looked up to and I emulated and and uh, you know when I, when I kind of thought that I wanted to get into that I, it was just me it's just watching as much as I could you know and you'll steal stuff like if you're getting if you are someone who wants to do this when you first start you are you're going to steal whatever you're watching and that's fine you just have to understand like understand the process get comfortable and then once you get comfortable with it you'll start to be yourself because when you when you're on camera or you're you know you're doing a, a game or whatever 
the toughest thing to do is to be yourself. You can act like yourself, but it's really hard to be like yourself. And I still like, it's still hard to do because when you're, when you are on air, you still have to, there is a presentation aspect of it that you inject into the, into it that you don't do on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah, those are the guys for me. It was, you know, Bob Miller and Al Michaels and you know, um, those sports center anchors that you would watch who were just, because it was, it was like a appointment television oh, at the time. It yeah. was great. It was you, culture. You it talk about culture, your friend. Yeah. Did you see what Stuart Scott said? Yeah. Like that call it, you know, Craig Kilborn did like it was a, and we all did it. You know, we yeah. all just tried to rip it off. We sucked at it, but you know, we, we tried. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I, I didn't necessarily envision myself ever doing this growing up. It's not necessarily something that was part in the peripheral of like what I wanted to do. Um, maybe just cause I didn't realize how much I'd enjoy it. But definitely that that like second wave of Sports Center anchors, you know, there was the there was the there was the originals like uh, oh my god, Charlie Stein. I Steiner, love Charlie like, Steiner, and, right. and, and those initial guys that kind of set the tone for the the Stuart Scotts, the Dan Patrick's, the Rich Eisen's, the the Kenny Maines, those guys. Um, that that next batch is what I really identified with. Um, one rich uh, one I really enjoyed Stuart Scott because. And this is you know, at a very basic level. He was the closest guy that looked like me. He was mm-hmm. the one guy that, to me, had some some culture outside of the mainstream. You know, like you got to look this way, you got to look that way. Like he pushed the envelope, yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, the, and then the other side of that was Kenny Maine because I never felt like he took himself so mm-hmm. seriously like some of the other guys did at some points in time. He was always laughing. He was the guy that I, he wasn't afraid to do horse racing. He wasn't afraid to do anything. Like you put you put Kenny Maine out there, he's going to have a good time and he's going to make some jokes. He's going to be a little awkward at times. And then it just, for me, I was like, that's like if I had to go up there and do that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, Stuart, Stuart Scott was, you know, when I started hearing him make NBA jam references and like, that was the game at the yeah. time. And I'm like, holy cow, this is like, this guy's talking to me. Um, that's what made me, that's what really amplified my sports fandom, which I think is a big base of the pyramid for me and like being able to do this. But then if I'm talking about like who I directly wanted to emulate or take caps, I, I, Sean, oh, Rory, yeah. Rory, Pat, like this, yeah. those three people, like, I started as a production assistant on the show, whether it was playing, like moving the jib and stuff like that. And like watching how they behaved and it was like, all right, there's little pieces of that. I want to take like, like Rory kind of has this like tongue in cheek, you know, bow tie action. Like that's kind of funny. Pat has this dry, witty sense of humor, but he can pick apart a couple of things. Sean carries a level of professionalism and being able to like drive the ship. That's like, I don't think anyone else does it as good as him. And it's like, I want to take little pieces of that. And then that, those were the things that I had to look up to, to directly try and emulate in aspects of what I wanted to be. Cause I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't think I would ever be an on camera person or commentator until the person told me to do it in 2014. How'd you get your shot? Like your first go, like, was it like someone didn't show up? I want to jump in when you, well, when you're done. I'll yeah. yeah. So, um, there was, it's funny cause and this is how like aloof I was to the whole situation. In 2012, I was helping out. I was basically, we had a, we had a field producer job, someone that they called the CrossFit expert that was interpreting what was happening on the floor to the director and the producers that were guiding the cameras because they had no idea what was going on. And that was my job. And Kathy Elder, who was a, uh, a producer for us and even helped out with, with our old, with our studio stuff that we were doing last year goes, Hey, you should do some interviews. You know, all these athletes you know the sport. Why don't you do? And I did a couple. I interviewed Lindsay Valenzuela. I interviewed Valerie Vobrel. And I, I'm super grateful to them for being so understanding and kind to me, despite me just being terrified. And then that just kind of went away. 
Uh, and then in 2014, 2015, we had a producer, Charlie Doobie, who really, in my opinion, accelerated the growth of the update show tenfold. Um, and he's largely responsible for helping drive the ship to where it was. And he was just like, yo, like you keep pitching these ideas and throwing these stats around and like writing these point bullet points for like a lot of the experts and stuff. It's like, why don't you just say it yourself? And I was like, well, I don't have like the, the chutzpah of, uh, <laughs> of Pat or Rory because they're the faces. He's like, who cares? Like assert yourself and say it the way you say it in here and people will follow. And I was like, all right. And Charlie was the one that was like, let's do it. And there was a switch in, in leadership at that time um, that kind of opened up the door for some possibilities. And I was like, all right, let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I'll keep. Keep practicing, keep trying. Were you super nervous your first opportunity? Like, so, so the the first time we were in the studio doing it, I won't say I wasn't nervous, but one of the light bulb moments for me was that I don't feel as nervous and weird doing this as I thought I would. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I would just be like hands clammy, like don't know what to do with my hands, kind of Ricky Bobby <laughs> style. Hand are real good, and and like instead I was worried about other weird things that were had nothing to do with the show at the time. So I'm like okay, maybe I can mentally reframe this to a point where maybe I can try this for a little bit. Yeah, we, so he mentioned Charlie. And Charlie came on shortly after I did. So I, I came on full-time in January of 2013. And they, and they brought me on to be the producer of the update show. There was never, it wasn't like I was, when I first got hired, I wasn't going to be on because it was at the time, Pat and Roe, and then Roe was stepping back and it was going to be Pat. And, you know, that's when Maddie Curley got involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole Christensen, Nicole Christensen was, yeah. Miranda yeah. was doing some stuff. And, you know, um, the way that it was structured is that, you know, I knew I could do the hosting job, but I wasn't, it was like, no, you're the producer. You can't do both. I was like, well, no, I can't, but whatever. <laughs> um, so then Charlie came on and he and I had similar backgrounds. So Charlie came from a production assistant background at ESPN. So he worked there. I came from a, a sports casting background at a local level uh, as a sports anchor. So knowing how to produce shows and covering, you know, NFL college football, college basketball, all kinds of stuff. And when the two of us were sort of given the keys in 2014, the first thing we're like, we got to get Tommy on. Cause we'd been talking about it for a while and we even brought it to the higher ups and we just got shot down. No, we can't do that. Well, why not? You know, no, no, we don't. That's not what we want to do. So when it was handed over to us, basically completely, that like that was the first thing we knew we had to do because we had this guy sitting here who had all this knowledge who was clearly articulate, knew how to speak, knew his stuff. And, you know, it was a no brainer to get him up there and immediately, you know, made everything better because then we had another voice outside of Pat because there were a lot of times where Pat would go to Tommy and be like, Hey man, what what should I say about this person? (laughs) And, you know, Tommy would give him the info and it was like, why are we not using this? Mm. And he got up there and, you know, to his credit, he worked hard at it and he got really good. So yeah, he became, he became an invaluable part of it, but it was that, you know, once, once the obstacles got out of the way and we were able to turn him loose, it was awesome. So did you practice a lot in the mirror or like, what was your, so, uh, your game time kind of routine? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I don't practice in front of the mirror. I will, I will do essentially that, but like basically with my eyes closed, <laughs> like, um, I think like about a visualization. Yeah. Very, very, I'm, I'm much better at the visu- visualization piece. Um, because to me, I'm never going to be looking at myself in the mirror when I'm up there or like I'm going to be talking to some inanimate object or I would do something very similar. Like I would put my phone up and talk to my phone um, just because it's like 
to me, it has to, I have to simulate game time as much as possible. But for the most part, like if I rehearse it too much or practice it too much, it doesn't feel natural mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so in the very least, I'll like close my eyes and visualize the talking points that I want to go through. And that's, that's huge for me. Yeah. And that's where I think where he was good really early is that when most people start, they try to memorize everything they want to say. And then it comes off really unnatural. Tommy never did that. Tommy was all about just like, yeah, I want to talk about this. And he would get up there and speak. And so right away he was ahead of the curve. You could always tell that like you're very passionate about the sport and you're very passionate about these people and you have the relationships with them. And it, it never seemed like from a viewer standpoint, yeah. it's like you, oh, you just know this. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's not, it, it's much. not unauthentic yeah. at all. You're like, Oh, Tommy's just yeah. being Tommy. And before, like before we all kind of took it over, there was such a, uh, an emphasis pushed, pushed on, or put on being perfect. Mm-hmm. One little minor flub and you'd re- redo the whole episode. <laughs> Whereas that's not sports television. That's no. not what people do. It, there are some imperfections in there and that's fine. It's about the conversation, the points you're making and if you're coming off as authentic. And Tommy always did that. Like he was, I was amazed when he first started. I'm like, man, he's not even making the mistakes that you're supposed to make right now. He's like, he's already at this other level. I go, damn, this the okay. update show was just so like as a, it was I, fun. It man. was so cool to watch as well. Like I know you probably people have told you this, but like as a CrossFitter who enjoys the sport, does the sport, mm. lives the sport, works the sport, like that was like my my, yeah. my sports center. Mm. Yeah, it was my sports center. Getting into CrossFit and being like, oh, I'm, I'm anticipating it. So yeah. like that was it was just a great piece and Thanks, like man. it need like can we revisit it? Can we just like <laughs> I guess I don't know who owns it now, but yeah. like those were such cool episodes and cool way to kind of tell people about the sport. Yeah. I mean, oh. I've sent multiple family members like episodes of the update show and be like, yeah. just check this out and tell yeah. me what you think. Yeah. But well, that means a lot to hear you say that. Cause that's kind of the <laughs> goal. Sure. Uh, I mean, and it points back to what I was saying is like the reason I'm so passionate about, it, or the reason I have a, a focused passion for it is because I, I learned that through seeing that in, you know, like that wave of sports center anchors that were so passionate about it, but they were authentic um, and that, that made it fun to me and that it, it broke that mold. So I felt like we did, we tried to do that on the update show. Like it was us up there, like, you know, yeah, we're going to be professional. We're going to talk through highlights. We're going to make some, some valid points, but we're also going to like in, generally enjoy being, be around each other. And we're going to, you know, stand up there on that desk and have a good time, uh, and make it so that the people that are looking at us from the gyms and affiliates and things like that aren't looking at us like, who are these dudes in suits? Like <laughs> that I've never seen in a gym before, like that I wouldn't envision myself working out next to. Cause then, then we're just, we're, you know, we're delivering, <laughs> we're delivering the wrong message and we're delivering it on the wrong platter to the, to the people that we want to affect as the most, at least it was, it was definitely good times. It was good times, but I had a blast doing it. There was was never a day where I had to go to work. You guys look like you had fun. Oh, we did. I feel like if you're doing what you love and you're having fun, then like, and it wasn't always that way. There were times where, like I said before, prior to 2014, it was, Mm. it was was a slog. And there were times where, man, I don't know if I can do this. So we're sitting here. uh, And to our right is a great photo (laughs) of the champ, Rich Froning, uh, and he's in the he's in the tennis stadium, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's standing upon a some type of he's, pillar. Yeah, he's on like the barrier. Yeah, the we'll take a, po- a, a picture of this and post it up. But it's like he is celebrating with a hand over his head, and people are just rejoicing in this. And we were talking earlier about the memories they had mm-hmm. from Carson. Uh, these guys were there, and now having memories in Wisconsin and Madison as well. I would love to hear you guys talk about like 
your favorite moments oh, as commentators mm-hmm. uh, from a, from like this playing out in the sports field just or just being there and witnessing yeah. greatness there's like, so many especially in a tennis stadium i mean yeah. the ones that come to mind for me were you know i remember legless mm-hmm. because yeah. we had like the fireworks the flyover and then they went go and then they they went and that was awesome um you know push, push pull. pull yeah that's still uh, probably one of my favorites just the battle between uh, Bridges and Froning and mm. you know Ben Stoneberg was in there too. Oh, the big po- yeah when he sit they're that sitting on the ground. And- awesome, yeah, um, that's iconic. God, what else? The, the, so like those those two were instances of where the art of programming in terms of how it plays out in the field were, were highlighted really well, um, and and then the it, that kind of just like set the stage and allowed these athletes to put on a show instead of like you know having to program something super crazy hard and then by virtue of the effort they put in it's you know it, you either you know sink or swim but like there's a couple that stand out to me I remember my fir- my first games uh, working there in 2010 helping out with Rogue sitting on the floor like is this right for us like <laughs> is the StubHub Center correct yeah like mm-hmm. the correct venue for this because it had if you if you remember correctly, uh, it was originally going to be at the, in Aromas in 2010. They had printed shirts that said 2010 Aromas that they gave out at Level Ones, and then the the whole Monterey County uh, came in and put the kibosh on it, and they had to move down to the StubHub Center or the it was the Home Depot Center at the time. And then hearing the national anthem, the flyover, and then Castro saying three, two, one as soon as the flyover was out of visual and music starting, I was like. Oh my gosh, like <laughs> I want to run through a wall right now. And, yeah. it, and it was Amanda and it's like an iconic uh, workout. It was dedicated for Amanda, Mil- Amanda Miller. So there was a ton of emotion tied into Wasn't that. Wasn't there people was failing 135 snatches? Oh my gosh. Oh, Jason yeah. Kalipa running it out of the frame. Yeah. Like we had the camera and guy. Look at scared. the stands. There yeah. was no one there. No one there. Yeah. You know, it and was it, empty. And, and that was the thing that was like in that moment, it didn't matter who was in the stands. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is he taking place on the floor is so special um, that it's, just keep putting it out there and making sure people see it and the stands will fill up. Mm. Um, but so like Sean mentioned those moments that were, that were awesome. Um, the, I mean the moment that's on the wall in it's my, three p- isn't it, that three p- that was three number p- three, yeah. yeah. in my opinion, this is what put CrossFit in a different stratosphere because this was the first time that the games were live in a live window on ESPN Maybe it was ESPN, no, ESPN So it was ESPN 2, but then we yeah. got bumped to ESPN News because yeah. there was some tennis tournament that ran <laughs> oh, over. You know? So that was, and, yeah. But it was, it was, it was Rich Froning in, a, it was kind of, it, it wasn't like close, but he had to like make sure he shut the door. You always made it interesting. That and it, it was this, it was the Cinco's workout. So you had a collection of movements that, in my opinion, the average person can look at and be like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're seeing one-legged squats with a with a kettlebell. Wasn't it like a crazy kettlebell, like a yeah, gorilla yeah, or something? Yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah. demon bell or something. Yeah, demon yeah. Bell. <laughs> it was a super heavy deadlift, so you just see the plate stacked up. And then, oh my goodness, they're going to walk on their hands? Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, they got to do more? Deficit handstand push-ups and ring muscle-ups? It's like, who are these ninjas that, that are doing yeah. this right now? And so you got to see Rich do that, and you got to see, you know, at the time, he's the Jordan of the sport do that. And... I don't think there was a coincidence that the next year and the next two years were really as far as like affiliations and training and uh, all, all of the measurable metrics um, were at a peak. Well, number one, the reason why I got into CrossFit doing it at all is seeing the game. Yeah. It's like seeing it on ESPN and being like, what, in the, like, what are these yeah. people doing? Mm-hmm. They're doing on their hands. Or like, and then two, for like you guys to be a part of that, like this come like kind of full circle for me to be like, I met the people that got me into this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
And when people saw it on ESPN, it was just like, what is this? Yeah. Like, they're, like, they were like, what uh, do, are they strong? Are they mm-hmm. fit? Like, what is this strong man? Right. Cause they've had yeah. strong men yep. on ESPN and they're like, oh, they're just, you know, going to put some boulders on a rock or yeah. on a, on a, some type of platform. And then now they're like, well, hold on. You, they're running on their hands. Yeah. And then they show some of the old clips like, oh, they just ran. 10 miles or like yeah. some other f- feat of fitness that people are like, hold on now. Like, I think this is something we should pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, look, Pendleton was awesome. Too. Pendleton yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy because like the softball toss. How about that? I remember that one. <laughs> I was in the stands as a fan for that. That one. exposed yeah. some people. Yeah. Like, man, you can really clean a barbell, but Ooh. wow. To, yeah. to me, that's like a level of like ba- baseline athleticism yeah. that you miss sometimes. Um, I, although I don't necessarily agree with it as a test. Um, mm. Thankfully it was wrapped into a three parter. So it wasn't, didn't have that heavy of an effect. Was it Max Elsit with it too? There was, uh, there was Elsit. The Max there's, Snatch, there's, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There, there was two different skills tests. There was like a, an Elsit, a jug carry, a handstand, oh, yeah. handstand walk, softball throw, the Max uh, weighted pull up, and the snatch. I can't remember what the, the triplets the uh, triplets were, but it was those six movements. Um, but honestly, one of my favorite moments, and I always valued regionals. Yeah. Um, mm. there's There was a year where the office was always getting, and I, I posted a photo of it a while back to, uh, on social media. The office was almost always getting worked on because <laughs> we were growing so quickly and there's always like construction. Um, what eventually became our offices and our office area, the ne- the following season was kind of like the boneyard. It was like all the chairs and office furniture that nobody wanted or people would come and pick through and figure out for, like once they got brought on. It was over there and it happened to be near uh, an exit door that had a stairwell right to the our studio. Now, regionals, we're doing, I think we do over 100 shows in three weekends. So you're talking about, you know... 30, 35 live hits over the course of three days. So 10 hits plus a day. And we're going nonstop. We got multiple teams going and you have enough time to eat. You have a little bit of downtime, but you're watching the competition because you got to talk about it. So it's just round the clock. It's one, it's probably the most physically demanding piece of our year. And that we got into this groove where we were, there was only a handful of us that day that could come on the show we would do a show, we'd go up and there was one of like the reject tables that was up there. We'd meet at that table, our producer, Charlie, and we'd hammer through a show, build it. All right, let's go back right back downstairs. And it was like our little powwow spot. And to me, that was like, this is the stuff that people don't get to see, but I think this is paramount to who we are and how Mm -hmm. we're able to do what we do is that, and it's almost goes back to the ego thing. It's like, we have this nice studio, we have this nice production and all these things, but we're still three dudes and a girl. (laughs) Yeah all just standing around this crappy reject table, building a show, no food, no sleep, tons of coffee, and let's go back and down and do it. And we're willingly doing this. Labor of love. I love the region we Well, you guys had no idea how, what was going to come next. It it didn't matter. It was so fun, man. It was so fun those weekends. I mean, like Tommy said, we were uh, were in the office at 7 a.m., on the air, probably 7.30, depending on what the first regional was. Stayed till, you know, 7.30 p.m. Didn't leave the building once. If we got time to eat, that was great you know, caffeinated out of our minds. Um, but I, I loved it. I wouldn't trade that. For, I, I, those are some of my best memories mm-hmm. um, from that time because, you know, you were watching this great weekend and you'd be like, okay, that's the Atlantic regional. Let's go to the central and show you what happened. 
and everybody was in one place watching this and you got to live those stories with everybody yeah. else and like you know and bring them to them as well i mean it was it was so fun and then that's where like having good people around you really matters because like tommy said we would build a show and then two minutes later go down and do it and not knowing like wait which region are we talking about again and i had so much trust in tommy and pat that i could just like talk about this and then i'll figure out where we're going next and they would like that's where the trust and the teamwork comes in and making a good show. So mm-hmm. we're not talking teleprompter. We're talking about, we, no, just, we, had, we just talked about this upstairs. I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about I mean, We now. have a P and then like a lot of times we'd have, like we'd map the show out and we'd have a format that in front of us. And because of like something was late, it, these guys would be talking and Charlie would be like in my ear, our producer, you go, all right, we're going to go from here to number 27. We're going to do 27 to 35. And then we're going to go back to 18. We're going to do 18 to 24. And then we're going to take a break. I'm like, fine, where are we going next? Like, that's all I need to worry about. Like, <laughs> Who's this, coming with yeah, it? That's that's like, I'm going to get us to the next place. And then yeah. these guys, Tommy and, and Pat could do it. And it was awesome. You know, like that's, and that's why he's the captain of the ship, right? right. Well, yep. Oh, captain exactly. Exactly. here, and, man. And, nope. To, and to your point, we never used a teleprompter. That was yeah. we, when That's I, amazing, when I started at CrossFit, we did when we started. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I was the teleprompter operator for a little while. Cause I was the only person that had a steady hand. Isn't that a stressful Dude, job? It was <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like four, I was like the fifth guy to get there. They're like, you do it now and don't mess up. I'm like, how many bodies are buried out in the back that used to be teleprompter operators? I've done that. That's rough. Yeah. yeah and then finally easy. they were just like, no, we can't do this. I'm like, just thinking of like yeah. the Bruce Almighty thing yeah. where he's messing yeah. up. Yeah. Exactly. Another, like, blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason they were using it is again, there was so much emphasis put on every single word matters. And if you mess one thing up, going to redo the whole thing and I they were lose I mean, aut- authenticity that way yeah. exactly i think that's the beauty of this platform that yeah. now that we have we don't have to be like we right. can be authentic but i mean you're going to mess up some words and you're going to be yeah, you're it's, gonna cool. it's real mm-hmm. life like, that's, yep. that's why i like the live environment versus the tape mm-hmm. is because if you make a mistake it's going to happen but it doesn't matter like you can either sit there and dwell on it in which case you're only going to highlight your mistake more or you just short memory let's keep plowing let's go yeah. through it mm-hmm. to me that's more that's what selfishly that satisfied that little competitive spirit of me of being like an athlete is like, you know what? Like you, you got to have that short memory. You can keep plowing forward and still get to that end goal. And like, it's almost like that whole, you know, Al Davis just win, you know, just win, baby. And, and that's, that's what the live environment is. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake, just win. And we kept, we kept doing that, kept doing that. There was a, there was a moment at regionals one time and tr- you could see over the, you could see the evolution of the update show over years. Um, when we started to add other elements, where we would have social media desk, we'd have the main desk, we'd have a side set. And there was one segment in particular towards the end of regionals where we had the full desk. I was on the side set doing an inside the numbers type segment and we had the social media desk. And it was like this whip around, like what we used to call it. And everybody hit their marks and we were just like humming. And I remember we got done and like... I, I could have just, you could have just cut me loose in the Serengeti and I could have ran free the rest of my life. Like I was like, it was, I was so fired yeah. up and it was just like, man, that's what, that was awesome. And like morale was super high. You know, it was just one of those really special moments that might've been my, my highlight so far. Um, it's just a moment like that because we, everyone put in the work to do it and everyone got to enjoy the benefit in, in that moment. When nice. everything's firing on all cylinders, it's, it's like, you want to be like, Oh, that was great. But mm-hmm. at Sam, you're like, no, I don't want like, th- like, I don't want to say that it was awesome, but that was awesome. Yeah. Well, and you always talk about liking like team, team events and stuff. So to be able to experience that with other people is also fun because yeah. you know, you were all part of making. I love to suffer, but I like to suffer more with my friends. That's what I always <laughs> say. It's like a sure. team, a team, yeah. a team concept for me is always like, I see success in a team and like winning together is better than winning by myself. Yeah. Like I want to share, my, share whatever I have this experience mm-hmm. with, with a couple humans and maybe like sometimes I yell at you and tell you you're not strong enough and slow and to hurry the yeah. hell up. But yeah. you know, you know, it's great at the end you're like, you're right. 
Thanks yeah. for not doing that to me today. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the first time we partnered in a workout today. Yeah, oh. we worked out together this oh, morning. Nice. Did you work out at Annie's? Yeah. Yeah, nice. All right. That's, I mean, cool. that's a cool well. <laughs> It was a long chipper with uh, with some different movements in it, so that's always fun to do with a partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Michael, yeah, it's very rare that we get to uh, work out together, but it was awesome. We went Instagram live and I'm like yeah. giving my commentary on it. Like, <laughs> Michael, I need you. Uh, let's do 10 more. Yeah, I didn't have any commentary because I was just trying to yeah. <laughs> suck and win. Oh, I didn't man. have time. Yeah, it was. That's it, awesome. I thought uh, the class went great. It's it's always great for me as a coach when I go into another gym. Is like, what can I steal? Or like, be yeah. open to like, hey, what are these guys doing well? Mm-hmm. So maybe I can take it back to my gym mm-hmm. or like, like just different things. That's yeah, like we do that all a, the time. Yeah. yeah, that's like us on a podcast. That's why we're talking to you. We've stolen yeah. everything all the way down to your <laughs> yeah. Roadcaster hey, Pro. That's perfect, Dude, man. Well, reach one, teach one, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean. And any experience worth having is worth sharing at some point on some level. So and I, I do appreciate that you would be so willing to, you know, answer questions yeah. from some random guy that you absolutely from I mean, before. I, I love that. I'm not even near like the notoriety that you guys are, but so many people like just reach out to me a lot of like, Hey, I'm looking, looking to get fit or like make my health a priority. Like, what would you do? Like, tell me, tell me how to do this. And, yeah. and just being that light to somebody like you might not think it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy just, you know, a message me is not a big deal, but like, you could be the spark that ignites a flame yeah. with anything, a podcast, yeah, a, totally. a, a fitness journey or a new business or anything mm-hmm. like that. So talking about infertility, even. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It, it, we've all been in that spot. So I mean, mm-hmm. I always, I always try to think, you know, how would I want someone to treat me? If I reached out to someone, I would really appreciate if they wrote back to me. And honestly, if someone does it, it takes what? 10 seconds. Yeah. To, I mean, really, it's not something I struggle with is asking for help. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't ask for help enough. Right. And like, are you, how do you guys, do you guys ask for help? Like, how do you guys go about doing that? Hmm. Or if you do, I, I could you definitely go with it. I could definitely be yeah. better. Like it's it's not one of my strong suits. Um, because we have this mentality, like we have to do it all ourselves, and the grind yeah, never and stops. I, I think being married has helped me with that. Because mm. when you when you're in a good, really solid relationship, there's a trust level there, and you're like, you know what? Can I get your help on this? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Because you you understand that you both have each other's best interests in mind, yeah. you know, and you're not gonna your significant other is not gonna look at you as like a failure or being weak if you need help. You know, there's. And, and as you know, guys, like that's hard to do very, a lot very. because it's like, if I fail, then I don't want to tell anybody and I'm, mm. you know, yeah, t- t- Tiffany's definitely helped me in that regard. Um, more so just because, I mean, we were long distance for so long and now we're like cohabitating for the first time. And it's like, there's a lot of stuff that I realized that like, I just can't do on my own now because, because we're in the same place together and we have our own place. We've built all these additional responsibilities outside of what I'm used to. It's like, I would be. I would be dumb to think that I can just take that on by, by myself. And what would be the point anyway? So we like to end this with like maybe some words that you guys think will help someone else or like some, like an inspirational quote or a mantra you oh, talk man. to your head and, and during a workout or, or like anything like that. And people always say like, Oh, you put me on the spot. Yeah. You kind of mean to. Yeah. Cause if it comes to you now, you, I think you pretty like have it in front of mind. Mm. So who are you going to give the time to think to who, who's going to mm. go first? That's the question. There, there are two quotes for me that always stand out in my head. One is that um, good people care about others and act accordingly. Um, it was a, co- a quote that I got received on this little card that was sent as part of a package for something I ordered. Um, and it always kind of rang true with me. Um, and it was open-ended enough for me for, for, to allow for interpretation. The other one was actually a quote from Jordan Peterson. Um, it was shielding, shielding those you love from things that they don't want to experience it isn't what makes them secure. Um, exposure to those things is what makes you resilient. 
um, and in the long term breeds success. Oops. I've got twelve rules for life in my car you right now. You just <laughs> literally hit a home run, like with the, with no notice. That was oh, maybe man. the best we've ever had on the podcast. Wow! Yeah, I, I gotta I good luck. Good yeah. luck following Did that. Did you read that from a script or yeah. something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, the, the, that that always stuck out to me because um, I felt like my my parents never tried to shield me from things. Um, they did, they did an amazing job of rather than trying to, to, I guess, protect me through a lack of exposure by giving me the tools to help interpret what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's an art that's being lost now, um, in this, in like a nerfed kind of society that we're kind of running through in a, in a, in a sue first fall later kind of situation. Oh yeah. Like, you know, legally. And so I've always tried to think about that, you know, like uh, would I rather be the person that can take on anything and have the tools to be able to process that and handle that? Or do I want to be the person that sits comfortably because I haven't experienced things? You know, it's like, Mm. it's it's two very different things. And I'd take the former for sure. Yeah. As as a dad, that's something I'm really trying to balance now, especially my 11 year old boy. Like you want to preserve innocence, but at the same rate, you don't want to be so innocent that he's going to be ignorant. You want him to be innocent, but there's also the internet. Yeah, a whole new beast, right? Oh like, my yeah. gosh! Yeah, oh man, I'm like, nervous. Like, I don't even have children. My future children. I'm worried about like what. Yeah, if we have the internet now, what's next? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, but I've always believed in this society. Like the ability to have conflict to make to deal with the uncomfortable things is so important. Like people want to avoid conflict yeah. at all times, and you don't want to go out seeking conflict. But at the same rate, if you if you have to talk to your wife about something. Go do it because right. if you just let it stew, it's exactly. not, not going to go well. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love that line, and I love yeah. Jordan Peterson. Yeah, so, go on. I got to follow that. Uh, for me, <laughs> there was there's one quote that I've always thought about, and I think I don't know if he's the guy who originally said it, but I remember hearing it from him. it was John McEnroe, the tennis player. He goes, "You know, nothing is ever as good or as bad as it seems." Mm-hmm. So that's always helped me keep things in perspective. Um, and then you know the the other one is is that and I think this was a guy that I grew up with is it was his dad. Who's an anesthesiologist in my neighborhood. He would say, you know, find out what needs to be done and do it better than everybody else. Um, which, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about way earlier is that I think to be successful in life, whether it's at a job or it's at, you know, in your school and it's just, honestly, it's about outlasting people. Don't like, if you, if you quit, like you're not going to be in it. Mm. Plenty of people will disqualify themselves because they're just not ready. They're not, you know, they don't have the talent. They don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't have the work ethic. So if you can just show up and just stay in the game, you're going to be okay. You know, that's honestly one of the only reasons why I kept getting jobs on TV is because I just refused to quit. You know, I was working for no money and I had a great support system that allowed me to do that. But it was like, I had, you know, I would watch people just quit. I'm like, well, I'm still in the game. I guess I can take the next step. And it's, you know, when you get an opportunity, take it. Even if you don't know how to get it done, if someone offers you a chance, do it, you know, because if you don't, someone else is, and now you're left out. Yeah. So you sound like you'd be a David Goggins fan. I don't yeah. know who that is. You don't. Oh, man. No. Are you oh, kidding? Maybe no, say no. Uh, uh, oh, Sean. I'm sorry. You, 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 you almost gave a Goggins speech. Sean, there. Yeah. You've, def- you've definitely seen him before. Okay. I'll probably I'd recognize him if I saw him. I want to say we talked about him on the show once. He set the world record for most pull-ups. For, oh, for a little while. Okay, um, so things I'll never do in my gonna, life. All right. You're gonna, coming into a time where you might have some time like to just hang. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to okay. send you his book. Please do. And uh, from me, okay. I'm going to Amazon it to you and right. you will love it. It's, okay. it's pretty awesome. I also bought the, my mom this book for Christmas this past year. So it's like a really good book. Yeah. I use my brother as an example too. Like he's, he, uh, 
he went a really unorthodox route through life. I went more a traditional one and he now is a, you know, uh, the uh, technical director for a software company that's, you know, makes video games and does really well and has had a you know great life. And it's about, you know, for him, it was always about experiences and he didn't know how he was going to do it. He just went and got in the game. Hell, you know? That's what I'm doing right now. You know, just get in the game. And you, there will be, if, as long as you just stay on the field and don't come off, you can do nothing. You'll be all right because there are going to be people who are just going to trip all over themselves and just be idiots and immediately get out of the game. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Hey, before we wrap up, I do need to ask this question. As mm-hmm. a Rams fan, yes. I'm, a, I'm a Cardinals fan. Okay. I think you guys are going to be better next year. We are going yes. to be. How, how can we not, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you're, so you're, for the Super Bowl, I did not root for the 49ers oh, because God, I no. hate the no, 49ers. I hate them. With a, can't. So you don't root for divisional. Oh, no. There good, is. I mean, good man. Good man. You're a Niners fan. I'm a Cowboys no. fan. Oh, Tommy Cowboys. and I were, I, man, I was like, I told Tommy, I was at like a sphincter factor of 75 that week. I'm like, this cannot happen. I mean, we live in Niner territory. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. Is, and I grew up as a Rams fan in Northern California in the 80s when it was Joe Montana and Jerry mm. Rice and John Taylor and Rathman and Craig and they were making my life miserable and people yeah. would make make fun of me all the time and yeah. I hated it and you, I grew up just hating the 49ers you gotta respect Kurt Warner right you gotta like the Cardinals a little bit oh, yeah, Warner no, absolutely. that guy's a great guy I have nothing against the Arizona yeah. Cardinals yeah. man they're, yeah. they're, I'm fine with the division opponent that's fine but a healthy respect but there are a couple teams that I just loathe oh, man. with the burning fury of a thousand suns and the San Francisco 49ers are on that list that's amazing like just, and so the Seahawks I'm a, I'm a transplant from the East Coast right. and I recently moved to Phoenix and Arizona and they mm-hmm. have all the sports teams like I didn't yeah. have them so, they, didn't, they didn't used to have yeah, them. Right. Well, well, they have Charlotte now, but I've never really connected with them. So as soon as I moved to Phoenix, I like doubled down on Phoenix yeah. sports. Like, Cardinals, I'm in. Got the and jersey. the Coyotes Kyler are Murray. good, man. Yes, we got uh, the Suns that are mm-hmm. kind of on the cusp. But, yeah, but you Devin, know, they're Devin in there. Yeah. yeah, the Coyotes. Like, they've got everything, and I'm just loving being yeah, in a sports awesome. town. It's always something to do. And yeah. and I'm on the ba- – well, the Suns and the Cardinals need all the bandwagon fags they, they can. Yeah. So, like, just jump on board. Yeah. Well, like, Arizona's tough because there's so many transplants there that, yeah. like, if you go, there's – the Los Angeles is the same way. Sometimes yeah. there's more Seahawks fans. That's the way and it is the Seahawks with the Rams. fans there, are the worst. There was more oh Falcons fans at the, the game. The 12th man stuff. Oh, yeah, man. That's so I hate those guys. The, <laughs> you guys getting Dak Prescott back or not? Uh, so, yes. There we are. But the question is... We are. So, so this is... this is So, little little background. My, my, my entire family grew up... On my dad's side, grew up in southwestern uh, United States. So, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. So, my dad's a Cowboys fan. I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. Um... I think so right now the smart organizational move would be to franchise tag him and allow yourself a year to kind of let other pieces because right now the Cowboys have their top five in terms of cap space availability for next year. So they're going to go shop. They have a ton of money to spend. Um, And so far Dak has been a good soldier in like putting the team first. But I think it's to the point now where like his patience is wearing thin and he's done more in his first three seasons to prove that like if we're going to invest in someone long term, we have to. It has to be him like his. He was the top five in total QBR last Mm. year. He's like he's a guy that will put the team on his back in the fourth quarter and will throw himself into a brick wall. And so I think he's a good leader, too. I see that the right thing to do is to pay him now. Because now you can spread out his 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 cap hit over years now in terms of salary, like his, his bonus and all that stuff like that. So I think they should pay him now uh, and give Amari Cooper the franchise tag with the promise that he's going to get a long term deal next year. And I think that would be the the wise thing to do, at least for 
team morale? Because why would you want Dak Prescott, who has shown up in every way, shape, said pay Zeke first, yeah. pay Demarcus Lawrence first, you know, pay Jalen Smith first, all of our young talent, pay them first. I'm going to get mine because I'm going to prove it to you over three years. And, and, and I heard, funny enough, I heard Max Kellerman say it on first take. He says, if this was Tony Romo, they would have paid him yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, they would have paid him yesterday. So they, they need to pay him now. And I, I, I have a feeling they're going to come to their better senses. I have a, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones's son, who's largely been responsible for the, the building of this team now, um, I think is going to wiggle his way in there and make sure he gets paid. Did they, right, so. they hired McCarthy as their... Yes. Yeah. And, and I they, think that's a solid hire. And they kept Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, mm. which is huge because... the Stole not my special teams coach. Yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and we took the D, uh, D coordinator from the from the Vikings for our D line coach. Okay. Like the, yeah. the coaching moves have been phenomenal. Okay. Um, and more importantly, the knock on McCarthy when he was in Green Bay was his offense is starting to be outdated, his play calling, things like that. So retaining Kellen Moore, who's a young, new, like new school kind of guy, and then being able to craft him like, all right, here's the age old wisdoms of the NFL. Apply your new school feel to it. For me, as a, as a Cowboys fan, makes me super pumped on that. Yeah, yeah that's what I love about the Cardinals too. Is we kind of took a uh, page from the playbook of the Rams. Like mm-hmm. your coach is so was so young and uh, yeah, he started a he, wave. He lit it up. Yeah, and you know we got Cliff Kingsbury, and he's kind of similar in that way. I loved Bruce Arians. He was old school, mm-hmm. like old, old, old school. I loved having him, but I like the new young feel. So. The, the Arizona Cardinals just just uh, just they raise your expectations. Uh, this is just two years of me being here. They raise mm-hmm. their expectations each year, but then they remind you of how low the expectations are. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're getting there, but not yeah. so fast. But then okay. they don't draft an O line. Yeah. What's, what's the point? Well, yeah. th- we'll see. What, they're making some good roster moves. I think Kyler Murray was takes time. Uh, six, I mean, he played every game. No one thought he'd be able mm-hmm. to hang for a whole season, and and the running game was there. I think David Johnson might they might get rid of him, but I mean, they He's Larry, never, yeah. Larry's coming back. So I mean, they got a couple options. They need to get some young wide receiver talent and some uh, and some offensive yeah. protection for Kyler Murray if that's your long term investment. But they're it on the up be. and up. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. yeah. He. I mean, he played great. Was yeah. he was he the, rookie of he the year? He was offensive rookie of the year. Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah, it was funny because the Super Bowl played at midnight in Barcelona. Oh wow! So oh, I, yeah, you were out there. For yeah. That. So I stayed. I stayed up from midnight to four a.m. <laughs> to watch though. that Great game. game. And me and Sean are like, "Oh gosh, so, we can't do this." Yeah, third quarter, I got the shovel and I'm digging the bunker in the backyard. I'm like, well, this will be I live where I'll be living for seven months and just because <laughs> like when I when I when I grew into my fandom of like of being aware of fully aware of pro sports, the first year I really like cheered for the Cowboys was the Super Bowl in Pasadena year. Mm. So 92. And it was the Cowboys first of three and four seasons for winning the Super Bowl. But every year they went through the Niners in the NFC championship. So I was like, you know, I wish I could say I had the starter jacket from back in the day, the (laughs) cool starter jacket, but I wasn't that cool. Um, But every year it was like, Tommy versus the entire playground yeah. <laughs> growing up. That was so, me. My yeah. dad still has my old Rams starter jacket that wow. he wears while walking the dog. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm from the South and we really love college football. So yeah. like being from the South, like SEC football, I went to University I, of South Carolina. All right, but my family, all my family is from Florida, so we're actually Florida fans. So I'm uh, Gator born, fans. Yes, Gator. Oh. Oh, oh, do we gotta leave? No, I, no, 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 say, no, no, no. You don't have to leave. Like, I just this uh, guy owns Bulldogs for crying. No, out no, no. Out. I was so I spent time in Tallahassee. That was my first and second TV job. Poor guy. Covered Florida about State. That. I was there the year that they won the national title against Mike Vick. Um, so I kind of was always like a little partial to them, and then I moved to Jacksonville, and then that's big Gator country oh, down yeah. there. And you're right, it is another level of college like well, love down there. It's a religion. And, and people out here don't get it. They no, just, they don't. And the people out there yeah. didn't get me. Like, well, you watch NFL? I mean, yeah. We Saturday, you just kind of pay attention like <laughs> yeah. on the TV. It's like just on. You don't really watch it. 
Sunday is when everything shuts down. It's a total opposite down well, there. When I was in college, like the town of Columbia, which is the capital of South Carolina, a big yeah. city, when there's a game, oh, the town shut sh- shuts down. down dude, yeah. Don't don't try to go anywhere else. Yep. Like don't try to go that direction of the because that's all they have. No, yeah. I saw families get ruined because people scheduled <laughs> weddings oh, when yeah. the Gators were playing on Saturday. Like it mm-hmm. was you don't do that. Like it, you're torn between yeah. you go to the wedding or I have such familiar ties to University of Florida. Like all of my grandfather, like right. he was he retired and he has an RV and him and my grandmother followed the team in an RV. Wow, and these are the years that they won the national championship like with the Tebow. Oh, wow. oh no, yeah. this is the Urban Meyer. Yeah, yes. Okay. yes. So when they were really like hit on all sixes, they won two natties in like four years. And mm-hmm. that just, I mean, they had a group of, of old folks that all had RVs called the Rowdy Gators <laughs> oh, that would follow them. So they go to Arkansas, <laughs> they go to Arkansas. Like, yeah. Tell me that's not the best that's life awesome. ever. I saw Tim Tebow play in high school. I covered him when he was in nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that it was like, I'm a man amongst boys. It yeah. was like, if you put Matt Fraser in the teen division, it just wasn't <laughs> even fair. It was like, this guy is come on. Well, there was that game. He broke his leg mm-hmm. and continued to play. Yeah. I, it was one of the nationally televised ones. Cause they were playing the number one team in the country. Hoover. Hoover yeah. And, uh, I remember like watching this cause I was fascinated by it. And it came out that he had like fra- had a hairline fracture in his leg. Like, in the first quarter and then came back and then let him on a comeback in the second half to win. I was like, I don't care who that guy is. Like, I want him on my yeah. team. Like, just I, a look, look at that roster. Now you had Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez, oh like, gosh. wow. Like, and like yeah. tons of pros too. Yeah. Like Brandon oh, yeah. Spikes, uh, like yeah. uh, the Patsy whole, brothers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, like Percy Harvey, Percy Harvey. Now what say, yeah. personalities like to manage urban Meyer as a, Oh, I said the Urban Meyer word. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I don't like him. I don't like. Well, he did us a little dirty yeah. when he when he left. So cupboards he, empty. Oh, that yeah, right. some personal Ex- time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then he goes to Ohio State and yep. does the same. Look, but, dude, yeah. he went to you from my team, Utah. The yeah, University he's connected. Of Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This nine, like it's always connected somehow. But yeah, college sports where I'm from is so much like bigger. Oh, yeah. And then I come to Arizona where they're like, uh, who's yeah. playing? Like mm-hmm. Arizona State. Saturdays are really yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're out of it. Hey, they got Herm Edwards as a coach, Herm. though. Yeah. The walking yeah. soundbite. Herm yeah. is my boy. So he's he grew up in this area. He really? grew up in uh in Monterey, uh Seaside area. He went to Monterey High, which is where I like I grew up I grew up there. Um You think we could get Herm on the podcast? He's fantastic. <laughs> if you want to catch Herm when he's back home, he goes to the wagon wheel in Carmel. He gets oatmeal there all the time. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so he ran a free football camp in uh, seaside Monterey for all the kids in the area. All you had to do was show up. Didn't cost a thing. You got cleats, shorts, wow. a bag. He would get whoever, whatever team he was coaching. So if he, if they were an Adidas or Nike, he would get them to outfit the whole camp. You had pros coming. Um, I want to say John, John Lynch was my coach for my team one oh, year. Cool. And it was like, it was awesome. The best. And, and Oh my God, he would let, and he always referred to us as men, you know, he's like, all right, man. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna teach you a few lessons today, man. And it was just, Phenomenal. That's amazing. I, like, I, I love Herm Edwards. There's a charity event I work for every year. It's Kurt Warner Foundation. You yeah. guys, you guys would like this. He does the ultimate football experience every year. It's coming up in March where you buy your way onto it at eight man flag football team. Oh. Your quarterback is a celebrity quarterback. Oh, boy. So, right. so let's go. Kurt's always one of the hammies. Kurt's always one of the ones that is a quarterback, but Dak Prescott's been there. I've met him. I, I volunteer there every year. Exactly. I don't, I don't I'm play. In. But, I mean, he brings some great people in. So if you are yeah. interested, I got my cleats in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. My brother lives in Phoenix dude. now. He just, he's going to move to Phoenix on Thursday, next well, Thursday. Dude, if you're ever in town, you yeah. come through. You oh, definitely I'll send you some info on that because yeah. that is a great event. And the people who participate absolutely love mm-hmm. it. So. And take, bring your 
woman, soon to yeah. be wife. Yeah. There's so much hiking out there. You oh, guys, yeah. You guys, have you been to Sedona ever? I have My it. grandparents oh. used to live there. Wow. Amazing nice. place. If you love hiking, Phoenix mm. is great. Camel, like so much. Yeah. Reach out and I'll send you in the right direction. Guys, it's been great having you, Tommy and Sean on. We really appreciate you guys giving Thanks your for time. Us, man. Yeah. And just, you know, when this podcast is huge, we may become on, on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> for but what? They, we don't know. Yeah, we're, <laughs> gonna, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're going to keep showing up and yeah, we're going to outlast everybody That's else. How about exactly that? Right. Exactly. So thank you. We're super appreciative and just, you're awesome. Hey, thank you. Appreciate yeah. it.